You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hey everyone, we are fresh off the public hearing to discuss the proposed extension of the commercial striped bass season in Massachusetts. And Tony, what a meeting it was. I would actually say it's just a flaming uh, trash heap more than a meeting, Willie. (laughs) Well, we've got Captain Peter Fallon on the line from Gillies and Fallon Guide Service uh, to discuss and here's how it went down. Hey everyone. Welcome uh, to the fifth episode of the Guide Post, and this is going to be another one of our rapid reaction recordings uh, because we just stepped out of a meeting, and Willie and I have a special guest tonight. Real quick before we jump into it, we have uh, Captain Peter Fallon, who's a good buddy of ours. Uh, He just happened to be on the meeting tonight as well. So um, let's have let's have Captain Fallon introduce himself. Tell him tell the listeners a little bit about who he is and where he works, and then then we'll get into why we're doing this podcast. Thanks, guys. Uh, my name is Peter Fallon, and I run Gillies and Fallon Guide Service. I'm based in Phippsburg, Maine, on the Kennebec River, but I hold a four hire permit um, in Massachusetts and run a lot of trips. For striped bass there in the spring and the fall, especially. Uh, I actually grew up in Situate, Massachusetts. I started running charter boats uh, in Boston Harbor in 1986. Uh, so that dates me a little bit. And uh, now I split my time between Maine, Massachusetts, and some other places to chase these fish. Well, thank you, Peter, and welcome to the guidepost. Uh, let's get into why we're here tonight. And I would like our executive director, Willie Goldsmith, to kind of let the listeners what's going on. And we'll just we'll just dive right into the discussion. Sure. Uh, thanks, Tony. And hey, everybody. Uh, so I think a lot of folks have been following what we've been up to. And it's been all Amendment 7 all the time for the better part of the last month. Obviously, there's a lot going on with the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission and an amendment that might totally revamp striped bass management. At the same time, uh, if you live in Massachusetts or up in the Northeast, you might have been following what's going on in Mass, where there's been a proposal to uh, extend the commercial fishing season uh, for the 2021 fishing year. That doesn't mean changing the quota. That doesn't mean allowing folks to catch more fish than than they're allowed by by the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission. But the proposal, uh, which was put forth by Massachusetts Division of Marine Fisheries and the Massachusetts Marine Fisheries Advisory Commission, was to basically double the number of days uh, that folks are allowed to to commercially fish at the beginning of the season. So to go from two day uh, two days a week to four days a week, and then to bump up the start of the season by about a week uh, to June fifteenth. And the whole goal here was for enabling commercial folks in the fishery to be able to catch their quota. They only caught a little over half the quota back in twenty twenty, and so there was kind of this this desire to uh, to try to give them the ability to catch those fish for our part we weren't we haven't really quite been sure where that desire has been coming from um, 
And so that was pretty puzzling to us, but that's kind of the framework for the meeting tonight. This was the public hearing tonight for MassDMF to hear from recreational and commercial stakeholders uh, who participate in the Massachusetts fishery to get their thoughts on liberalizing basically the uh, the the fishery and allowing folks to harvest their quota. Tony, not sure if you want to add anything else to that. And that that's kind of the lay of the land. We can kind of provide our commentary both on the issue and on how the meeting went as well. Yeah, so there there was basically four parts. Um, it was commercial striped bass season and open fishing days, and DMF was proposed to open commercial fishing season earlier than the current date of June 23rd. Preferred option would be June 15th. Um, establish an official end date of the fishing season on November 15th. Increase open days per week from two Mondays and Wednesdays to up to four Monday through Thursday. Um, increase number of open fishing days to five consecutive days, Monday through Friday, beginning September 15th, and then seven days a week on October 1. And then, you know, the next, the next paragraph in the document is they just, they just talk about what the quota is and, uh, and all that kind of fun stuff. And for the listeners, we, um, we are not anti-commercial and, um, this, this is an issue for a whole lot of different reasons, but it's it, it's not because we're anti-commercial. You know, I we were talking about this a little bit earlier before we started the podcast, and I said to uh, I said to one of the one of the people that we you know kind of talk policy with, I said, look, you know, we're heavily embedded in Amendment Seven, and we're we're looking for restrictions and on the rec sector, on all the sectors and, and to, and to lower that fishing mortality number. So these fish can recover, you know, the equivalent of us asking for more days to fish because we can't catch our quota is like, you know, lowering the size limit to 20 inches or 24 inches. So you're, so you're more efficient at, at catching and keeping fish. It's the same, you know, there's so many, still only so many levers to pull in a fishery. So what's your creel limit, you know, what's your size limit and, and what's your season. And those are the those are the three things that managers can control. So we're certainly not coming to the table asking for that. Yeah, I just want to say I think a lot of folks probably remember uh, probably almost close to two months ago now. Um, this issue exploded on social media. I think if you are involved in striped bass fishing at all, you probably saw a lot of noise around the Massachusetts proposal, which again the hearing about t- hearing was about tonight. Uh, the timing in our eyes was pretty unfortunate because we did want to rally folks around Amendment 7, but also, you know, people got really fired up about this. You know, it is it is one state and a coastal fishery, but of course, striped bass are overfished. We don't want to see, um, you know, the stock going into further decline as we're trying to recover it. And again, the purpose of the hearing tonight was was really to get public input on that. So I think we should probably dig into the meeting. Let's uh, let's talk about what went, happen- what, uh, what went down tonight. And... Uh, Peter, I'll kick it over to you, you know, kind of curious to hear your your perception of, uh, you know, of the issue and uh, also about the meeting tonight. Well, just to segue on what you were saying, Willie, um, when when this really did, when Mass DMF announced at the Marine Fisheries Advisory Commission that they were going to put forward this proposal, um, I, I think it elicited such a uh, overwhelming negative response from a lot of the recreational and uh, charter boat community because people are so 
concerned about this fishery. And they need some place to, to put that, that concern, that dismay, that worry. And this is the, the most tangible target. It's far more uh, understandable than the PID, right? And it's on the horizon. And we've been down this road before in Massachusetts. And uh, it really, because of feedback from the recreational community, DMF nixed their proposal to expand the number of open commercial days. And so I think that a lot of people were hoping that that would happen again. Um, but it was, it, it was, it was an interesting. Say it, Peter, you can say it. <laughs> um, all right. So if, I, I if you don't say it, Tony will. Oh, oh, trust me. I know Tony is going to say it. Um, so I was impressed, I guess, is, is one word to use with uh, Director Dan McKiernan's candor in answering questions at the beginning of the meeting. Uh, and s- some of his answers to questions were kind of stunning, but he really laid out where he, where he stands. And his stance is that it's DMF's job and responsibility to do everything possible to see that Massachusetts commercial striped bass um, fishermen uh, harvest 100% of the quota. That's what he sees as his responsibility, regardless of what is going on in the fishery as a whole. Um, And that is independent of the current status of striped bass and any of the best scientific indicators about the current status of striped bass. And that, and let's be clear on that. I think generally when you think about fisheries management for a species that's ranges across multiple jurisdictions, that that's not a totally outlandish thing to say, right? We deal with that on a lot that's of right. other species when you've got multiple, multiple entities who all want a piece of the pie for a certain quota, right? We see it with, with bluefin tuna management in the Atlantic. Um, and of course we see it with striped bass where, you know, we've got these quotas and folks want to fill them. And the, the onus is largely on, on ASMFC in this case to make sure those limits are not higher than they should be. Uh, but as we'll discuss now, you know, this is a bit of a different situation. There are a lot of moving parts here and I think it's worth digging into it. And Tony, I'll kick it over to you to kind of you know, give a bit more background on kind of what went on during this meeting tonight and kind of where, you know, both where we with at ASGA were coming from and what we were hearing from the, uh, you know, the from the community on this issue. Look, it's pretty simple where we're coming from. You know, we say a lot of the stuff, you know, who we are, who we represent in our comments, you know, the, the same boilerplate stuff. Well, what it, what it comes down to for this issue is you know if you look at the numbers we all you know well most states took a big cut in 2015 pretty significant cut so so commercial landings in 2014 were 1.138 million pounds in the state of massachusetts and um with the reductions they were dropped to you know 866,000 
and they were able to catch around 100% of their quota in 2014, 2015, 107%, 2016, 102%, 2017, and then the wheels come off. And they're 88.9%, 67.4%, 52.6% last year. And, you know, look, it's, that's not because they suddenly turned into bad fishermen. Um, you know, in, so if you look at 2014, the landings were 1.138 million pounds. In 2020, it was 386,000 pounds. Those are the landings, not the quota. So as we got into the meeting, uh, Willie asked a great question and said, where is this coming from? Because Willie's from Massachusetts. We're great friends with Peter. He's and right had, there. And we had heard a petition, you know, one of the, there was, there were several pieces of rationale to kind of justify this proposal. And one of them was petitions, right? Uh, that there were public petitions to increase the, uh, to increase the, or to increase the access to catch the quota. So we're, we're talking to guys who are legitimate commercial fishermen who Willie's friends with. And we said, where the heck is this coming from? You know, how do you feel about it? We don't, we try to do that. Peter knows. We, we try to talk to people in other sectors, see if we're missing something. You know, to, to a man, the best we got was a neutral reaction. And every, we, we had people say, shut it down. Just shut it down. There's Commercial no fish guys. left. Commercial, Commercial guys. guys. That we were talking to about this issue, and Peter, I think you were hearing, you were hearing some of the, some of the kind of same stuff, and had some of the questions that we had, which was why Willie asked that question. How did this become an issue? Am I correct in that, Peter? Yeah, you know, uh, diving into the details is important here because there are uh, some commercial harvesters who really want more days. Um, but for other people, the issue is really the timing of the start of the season. And I think this is a really, uh, telling point. So for folks, uh, south of the Cape who fish primarily, um, south of the Cape, they, they don't have commercial sized fish to fish on, or they don't have very many. And that is a big and, and change. Your commercial size in Massachusetts, 35 inches, it's right? 35 inches. You had about a bigger fish, a, you know, right. better size fish. Right. right. And I, I made note of Director Dan McKernan's comment about how water temperatures have changed over the last six years. And it sounded to me like he was trying to say that the reason that we're not catching 35-inch fish and over uh, south and east of Cape Cod is because of water temperature. And what Brian Coombs uh, so brought Peter, up. So, you're up in Maine, right? Uh, yes. So, are you up to your eyeballs in 35-inch stripers? I'm just we're taking a, <laughs> we're taking a poll here. So, everyone, Peter, Peter, you know, of course, is a guide. He's a charter boat guy. He's got a beautiful boat. He's got a, got a, got a tower on top of it. Yeah, stunning boat. I think it was, it's an old C, it's kind of like a CV hull, right, Peter? Right. Yeah. yeah, it's a bad. It's just badass. It's bad to the bone. So I actually think Peter was actually bumping into stripers 
there were so many 35 inch stripers in Maine because the water was cooler. Is that right, Peter? Last year, you got to book so, Peter now. It's a short season up there. Is that right, Peter? I will tell you that a buddy of mine who fishes the same water and he fishes live bait from January one to the end of August, and he is a he is a good charter captain. Uh, they his clients caught less than 10 fish uh that were in the slot limit god and that's tony, that's tony do we need to work on our on our asj marketing here i mean <laughs> but here's the thing about that water temperature comment uh so mass dmf has been funding this study that ben gahagan has been doing that uh we've talked about that they're uh, using acoustical tags that they're putting into striped bass And they're trying to determine if there are seasonal aggregations, meaning that the same fish come back to Buzzards Bay, Elizabeth Islands every summer, and the same fish come back to sort of the Chatham area off of uh, the east side of the Cape. And five years ago, the commercial fishery was centered off of Chatham. But it wasn't just the commercial fishery. It was the recreational fishery and the charter boat fishery. And you could not believe how many boats would be packed into a small area. And and really what the preliminary data that we've heard about is saying to us is that those fish got harvested. And that's why there are no fish, not no fish, but very few fish, 35 inches or larger, uh, south or east of the Cape. And so the commercial striped bass fishermen who are south of the Cape, they're really pushing to open the season earlier because they don't have a chance at many fish. As soon as the wave goes through either the canal or outside of the Cape, uh, on their way to what has been off of Boston Harbor and Gloucester, um, and that, that's the only place where there've been a, 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 a real concentration of big so, fish. So Peter, you know what that sounds like? It sounds like the exact same thing that's going on in the Chesapeake Bay. There's like one, or, it seems like there's like one or two high density areas of fish and the rest of it's pretty dead sea-ish. Um, so, you know, all of this said, Willie asked the question on the call that happened tonight. Where's this coming from? Because we talked to all these people and nobody really, nobody we're talking to is saying, yeah, man, we need more days. So Willie asked a question on the call and it comes back that one person made a petition. One. One person made a petition. And there were a couple other comments, passing comments. So, you know, that was kind of a little shocking to us that kind of we were going through all this, kicking up all this dust, stirring up this hornet's nest during the amendment process, which only happens once every 15 to 20 years for striped bass. And, you know, it's just really what it comes down to is just an optics issue. I mean, how, how can you with a straight face want to, I mean, you know, yes, you're not changing the quota, but how, how do you want to extend the season when they've gone from catching 1.1 million pounds to 380,000? I mean, come on. I mean, what does that tell you? That tells you the fishery is not doing well. So it's it's more of anything, it's optics thing. So Willie asked this question. It comes back that one person petitioned 
And then we get into the comments. Countless hours. Countless hours are put into this because one one individual petitions for it. Countless hours. State hours. People working on memos and meeting requests and this message and that message and agendas and materials. And we get on the call tonight. And, you know, it's a Zoom meeting. You raise your hand to talk. And there was a question period. And I think that went okay, and it was pretty short. And then came the comment period. And there was a couple of things that happened in the comment period that I have not seen in two decades of doing this, and I have seen some doozies. I mean, I have seen some doozies. The one thing that I think was unbelievable, but kind of, you know, the easiest to talk about, is this is a public hearing and never in my life I've heard people shouted down. I've heard threats made. I've heard, you know, characters demeaned, you know, from the crowd, you know, physical threats of violence at the in-person meetings. Yeah. I've seen all of it. I've seen everything. Never once in my life have I seen a moderator come back at someone who made a statement and almost, you know, like in an in interrogation, like you're a witness on the stand format. There was a gentleman, I don't know what his name was, but he questioned uh, an aspect of the Massachusetts commercial fishery where people are keeping fish. And this, this commercial fishery baffles me because you don't have to check the fish in. You, you, you don't have to sell the fish. And, you know, according to Dan McKiernan's memo in August, and I'm, I highlighted this, one of my central issues in the excessive level is the excessive level of participants. DMF typically issues over 4,500 permit holders with just a fraction of them, usually less than 1,000 reporting selling fish. That's a memo from August 19th, 2020. The gentleman who made the comment pretty much stated this and was followed up with an interrogation that went kind of like this. What it sounded like was actually a, a back and forth in a courtroom, and, and and that's not really how public hearings work. And I and I don't I don't think that gentleman was prepared for that questioning. Number one and number two, maybe I read it wrong. You know, I don't I don't know. We we couldn't really see the faces. It was just it was just a Zoom meeting with the presentation. But it sure it sure kind of came across in a in a mocking kind of condescending way, where the the gentleman said, you know, his comment was that some of these people are keeping the fish, and I'll refer back to the McKiernan memo memo on August of August nineteenth, and the last sentence of this second to last paragraph on the last page says, um, I'm sorry, it's like the fourth or fifth sentence. This concern is furthered because there are no requirements to sell fish taken under the authority of the commercial permit. A couple more sentences. However, commercial harvest would be greater accounted for if tagging was done by fishermen. So there's a memo from August where from Dan McKiernan stating the, basically the, the questions that this, the comments that this gentleman had were in agreement with the final page of this memo. And it's a public document. People could probably pretty easily look it up. It's it's an August 19th, 2020 McKiernan memo. Um, 
and and he was kind of met with condescending questioning and i think it's inappropriate i think it's inappropriate to to have a follow-up question especially in that candor at a public hearing where it's just supposed to be comments because you want to know why i'll tell you why this is why because we spend our 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 lives trying to educate people and get them activated and get them to make comments. And then you talk down to them and then you come back and say, gee, I wonder why the public loses faith in us. Gee, gee, I wonder, I, I, I wonder why the public doesn't want to be involved. You know, I don't know. I mean, we're not against commercial fishing, but there is a growing number of recreational fishermen, striped bass fishermen who are. And if you keep doing these things with terrible optics and you keep talking to people like they're below you, guess what? Guess what's going to happen? I'll let you guess. But it's going to be a it's going to be two things. It's going to be a complete lack of faith in the system. And they're going to come, uh, the, the, the recreational community is going to come after commercial striped bass fishing. And if the stock continues to decline and you keep doing these things, that is what's going to happen. That is what is going to happen. I've been in this fishery longer than most people I know. That I'm telling you, we don't want that. That is what's going to happen. So let's get into the second thing. And this is probably more egregious. The public comment was actually cut off. They broke it up into sections and said the people who are opposed to extending the commercial season, you speak first. The people who are supported, you speak last. That's a terrible way to do things. Awful. It should just be a mix. Because why should one group speak first and another group get the last word? It's a terrible way to do it. I haven't seen a meeting done like that in a long time. But the worst part, the worst part, and I'm going to look for comments from Willie and Peter on this. The worst part is when the moderator said, okay, we're done with the, the opposition comments. And there were people still with their hand raised. We're, there were everyone saying the same thing. We're done with them. And I quote, I don't want to be on here till 10 o'clock tonight. Now, let me tell you something. I've been to every state hearing. It's 9.15 at night. I had to shovel down dinner down my throat for two seconds with my family. Working all day. Do you think I want to be here until 10 o'clock at night? Do you think any of us do? Do you think people don't have families and children? And these, these recreational anglers, these private rec anglers care enough to listen to a, a state hearing about something you're doing that really doesn't make a lot of sense under the current condition for striped bass. And they care so they're commenting and you cut them off because you don't want to be on until 10 o'clock. I have never, I've never heard anything like that. And I'm going to, I'm going to let the other guys talk. Yeah. So, hey, uh, Excellent, excellent points. And, and and I was stunned when I heard uh, that they didn't want any more comments. And I think it's really important to note that the moderator of tonight's meeting 
is the director, Dan McKiernan. He's the one who said, I don't want to be here till 10. We've heard enough. And uh, what stood out to me was the contrast between the way this meeting was conducted and the meetings that we all attended the last uh, couple of weeks on the public information document uh, that was run by ASMFC and hosted by the individual states. In different tenor, different feel, uh, different level of professionalism. And, and my biggest concern leaving this meeting is that people who were lined up to comment and didn't get to comment aren't going to come to whatever the next meeting is. Well said, Peter. And, you know, I'll, I'll preface this by saying folks who are listening might know, you know, I, I have friends who work at DMF. I'm supportive of a lot of the great science that comes out of the agency with Stripe Bass. There's work on post-release mortality. There's work on stock structure. Peter mentioned some of the acoustic telemetry work that's out there. There's a lot of great work coming out of DMF, but I think a meeting like tonight, you know, we talk a lot about the crisis of public faith with, with the ASMFC, with everything going on with Stripe Bass and Amendment 7. And a meeting like tonight, really, it does the same thing for the state agency, for, for Massachusetts. You've got people who have put in time to learn the issue. And it doesn't even matter to some extent what the issue is. Uh, it just, again, the fact that people have prepared, they've set aside time in their evening to provide public comment. Um, you know, we're, we're here trying to better assess what how people feel about this issue that, that has obviously garnered a huge amount of attention through social media and elsewhere over the past couple of months. And to cut people off like that, you know, it, even recognizing all that, I mean, that, you know, that's in my mind kind of short-sighted by the, by, by DMF. I mean, if th there's no way that the agency couldn't have been aware that there was going to be a huge amount of, of discussion and, and angst over this proposal, and there really should have been more time devoted to this instead of cutting people off. And of course, we recognize that there is a written comment period and we recognize that there are other ways to provide your thoughts. But, you know, a, 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 an oral public comment period is just that. You shouldn't be providing people with a platform and then taking it away from them in the same breath. I think that was really frustrating for a lot of people. And again, as, now, as Willie, Tony Willie, you yeah. were look, it's no secret, right? We met on Capitol Hill, right? You you were you were in the senate uh as a canals fellow you worked for senator markey you know i gave testimony in the senate i've i've i have a long history of giving testimony at federal state hearings there is a time limit there is a procedure there is a time for comment there is a time for questions and addressing those questions and let me tell you, if you're in the minority when you're testifying on the Senate and it's three against one, it sucks. You get drilled. You get drilled. And you know what? I, st I stood there and took the shots and threw them back twice as hard until they didn't want to take shots at me anymore. Right. I was I, I, you're given an opportunity to say your piece. You have a clock in front of you. And 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 the thought that people are giving up free time with their family in these crazy times. And everyone's going through all these crazy times and you got your hand raised. You're sitting there patiently waiting like a good little boy. Ah, we've heard enough. Everyone's saying the same thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Why don't people, why do people losing faith in us? We try so hard. Let me tell you something. Start your own business. Why don't you try to build a national association? We work so hard doesn't cut it for me. Not at all. Because you have a state job, you've had a job, and you've been able to do it from home. And there's a lot of people out there right now that had to scrape and struggle and figure out a new way in the last year because we didn't have the opportunity to do the job the same way we did. And we didn't have the security of working for the state. And you don't want to stay up till 10 o'clock? You mean nights I've stayed up till midnight? 10 o'clock. Oh, man. Jeez. Wow. I, 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 hope, I, hope you're, I hope you'll recover. I hope the comp time helps. You know? I mean, are you... And then to cut comments off when people are trying to be engaged? You can't be that blind and not know what people are going to think of you and take away from that. And here we are trying to save the most iconic species... On the East Coast and teach people about conservation and pick apart a 30-page document and tell people to attend the meetings that your voice matters. And you climbed up on the highest mountaintop and stuck one of those Ricola Swedish horns in your mouth and blew you don't friggin' matter to everyone on that call across the mountains. Thank you. Thank you for making our job so much easier, for, for making educated comments from educated advocates the norm in these state hearings this go around. And you just took it all and threw it out the window by the way you treated people when they wanted to participate in the process. Um, Peter, what, what did you think when they cut off public comment? Well, what I was concerned about is that people who had their hands raised and weren't called on, and I'm still getting text right now from people. Here's one. I had my hand raised the whole time, but never got called on. Um, is that they're not going to join another public meeting. They're, they're not going to make the effort. They, they've, they've now been uh, pushed out of the process. And, this at a time when we need more people engaged in fisheries management. And so I just want to say to anybody who's listening to this podcast, who was in that meeting, uh, don't step back, St step forward, take three steps forward, make sure you submit your written comment. And my guess is that you're going to edit your written comment to include something about wishing that uh, you had the opportunity to speak tonight. Um, I, I think that's really important. And I, I leave with the hope that the reason Dan McKernan cut it off is because he'd made up his mind that the proposal to expand the, the commercial season isn't going to go through uh, because of the overwhelming sentiment expressed, not just tonight, but in people who've already submitted written comments and online. Um, that's my hope. But the way, the way this went down was 
it was pretty stunning. No, I th- I, th- I think that's accurate, Peter. And I mean, in the end of the day, I know, you know, it was mentioned, you know, we're not doing this for tallies, but it ended up being about 10 and 10, I think, in terms of how many folks commented pro and con. Um, so that was, you know, pretty interesting to sort of see how it ended up shaking out. And, you know, this has been, I think, a really interesting conversation. Um, emotions have run high, which, you know, with Tony, that's always a shock. So here I am calling me shocked once, shocked once more. Um, but we do just want to remind folks, you know, we, we, we talked about content. We talked about process. Uh, there is this uh, proposed commercial extension in Massachusetts going on. Uh, public comments are due on April 2nd. We're going to be getting our comments out on a couple days here and circulating them uh, for folks to take a look at. But, you know, we are we're not anti-commercial fishing. You know, we, we recognize that folks in Massachusetts and elsewhere rely on the commercial striped bass fishery as a supplemental source of income. And we don't want to take that away from people. What we want to make sure is that we position the striped bass fishery in the best place possible to help rebuild the stock. And we do not think that giving people more opportunity to catch more fish at a time when they to date have caught, you know, half the quota last year. And we don't even know what the trajectory of the stock is right now, given uncertainties with with COVID data collection on the rec side last year. uh, It's just not the right time. And so that's the position we'll be taking. We'll be calling for a reform of the commercial striped bass fishery in Massachusetts, which we know uh, Director McKiernan and others at MassDMF are supportive of. And we hope to work with them on that. But we just don't think this is a time to be uh, to be trying to get the commercial sector or find the commercial sector ways to catch more fish, kill more fish. So with that, uh, Tony, I'm going to kick it over to you just for our, our final announcement of the night, and uh, we can wrap it then. So we are going to have a final rally call um, for comments for the striped bass pid which are due at 5 p.m on april 9th so on april 1st we are going to have a zoom webinar kind of striper town hall to gear everybody up get comments in we're going to have special door prizes for people who attend some pretty cool stuff i know our our friends at the fly fishing film tour are uh have some have some gifts some raffles for the attendees as do our friends at costa um so that'll be 7 30 on april 1st and you can go to our social media to click the links on how to register um on facebook or instagram for this webinar so thank everyone for uh for joining me willie and peter tonight and sign up for our webinar send those comments in and we'll be on here very soon.